It can help them see the landscape the way you saw it, maybe bringing up the emotion and drama you felt that drove you to paint it. It makes your work more memorable, even to the point that the viewer may want to bring it home. Hello, my amazing creative friends. Thank you for joining me for the Sage Arts Podcast. I'm Sage, your solo host today. It's just me in my lonely closet of a recording studio. So come on in and join me. Take a seat. I don't have anything super exciting to share, including my choice of beverage, which today is just a tall, refreshing glass of water. It turns out the water is the best thing to drink when you're talking a lot. So we're just going to go with that today. That does also seem to go along with the seemingly simple question I have for you today. But the thing is, the answer to this question can have a big impact on getting your work out there and getting it sold or shown or whatever you're looking for in your version of artistic success. The question I have for you is, do you name all your art pieces, as in do you give them titles? And if you do, how do you name them? What guides your naming decisions? It might seem like a small thing that naming is really an afterthought for a lot of people, but hang in here with me and you'll hear just how crazy important your decisions about naming can be and how to approach it to support your particular artistic purpose. Before we get into that, I have been advised that I should bring up just a smidge of housekeeping at the start of these shows. So really quickly, if you've been wondering why and how I create this podcast, I can tell you I do it mostly to connect, to share, to teach, because I have this fervent passion for helping others to grow in meaningful ways. If I'm achieving that for you in any fashion, if these words get you thinking, push your creativity, if you learn something new and you'd like to give back, you can be part of my listener support community by just buying me a coffee, which is another way of saying you can contribute through my page at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the sage arts. I've also had people ask if they can contribute through PayPal. So I did set that up and you can do that now by going to the website at thesagearts.com and scroll about halfway down the page to find both a buy me a coffee and PayPal donation buttons. Time permitting, donations and comments can also get you a shout out on the show, which is always kind of fun hearing your name on the digital airwaves. Also, we have this conversation going about AI, artificial intelligence in art over on Facebook. The conversation started on my personal Facebook page, Sage Brave Aaron, because I knew my friends would have opinions. And then I shared it to the Sage Arts podcast page. So you can chime in on either place. And if you end up at the Sage Arts podcast page, you can click through to get the comments from the first part of the conversation on my Facebook page, Sage Brave Aaron. But if you're listening to this at some future date when the conversation has likely been closed, I still encourage you to go over to the Sage Arts Podcast Facebook page and see what the most recent question posed is. This is all at facebook.com forward slash the Sage Arts Podcast, all one word. I'll be using quotes and giving shout outs to various contributors to that conversation. So do join in if you can. I know you have opinions and I'd love to hear them. That said, a quick shout out to an anonymous supporter who recently left a really important note. They said, the ideas heard on your podcast aren't always new to me after 30 plus years in the arts, but they are great reminders. I find myself super energized after listening and yeah, I'm still learning new things. Man, I just love that because it's true. We do need reminders. I know I've been guilty of not reading something or listening to something because I think I already know that information. 
But the fact is we need to be constantly reminded of the knowledge that we have because even if we have the knowledge, it doesn't mean that we're always using it. So sometimes by being open to the possibility of learning or relearning all kinds of information, serendipity is going to step in and say, you may know this or think you know this, but I need to remind you that this is something you need to be hearing right now. I even find myself rereading the magazines and books I've published because some of that important information has slipped through the cracks or been pushed out by new things I've learned. So bottom line, just keep learning. It's a lifelong endeavor that really never gets old and actually keeps you young. So let's get started about naming. In the episode about story, episode six, I brought up the idea that finding the story in your work can help you in giving names or titles to your pieces. And it got me thinking about the naming issue, which was also touched upon in that episode when talking about the Jackson Pollock drip painting, where he originally named it number 30, I think, then later changed the name to Autumn Rhythm. With that name change, the work became really two different pieces, particularly when one viewer knows it by the name number 30 and another knows it just by the name Autumn Rhythm, right? And why would that be? Because the names cause the viewers to see the work differently. You can see how different a name can make a piece by going online and looking at artwork, especially abstract work, without seeing the title first. Go to Google Images and type in abstract or whatever kind of art you want to look at. Then pick an image that draws your eye and try to figure out the story or even just the emotion in the piece before clicking through. Once you've done that, click on the image and you should end up somewhere where you can find a name for it. You'll probably find with a lot of abstract work, if that's what you look at, that it's numbered like Pollock's was or is purely descriptive like Kandinsky's famous squares with concentric circles painting, which is exactly what it is, squares with concentric circles. But on the other hand, some have really loaded names that can take on amazing new possibilities of meaning because the artist chose to include a more invocative name. Take a Mondrian, which I think we can all imagine. This is the problem with a podcast is I can't actually show you these things. But imagine Mondrian. He has those red, blue, and yellow squares lined up on a grid pattern with different sizes and different spacing. I'll post one on Instagram. So go over to the podcast page at the Sage Arts Podcast on Instagram and try to find the story in the piece before reading the information I'll leave there. If Mondrian titled this particular work with just numbers or a description of its basic visual content, which he often did, you might just come away with a kind of cool scientific geometric based view of what you saw. But then when you see the name, it's very specific, evoking a really energetic sensation. And suddenly it's going to take on a whole new look because what he painted is going to feel just like what the name infers. But without the name, that changed view you end up with would have been almost impossible to reach or even guess at. Of course, that surprise will only be true if you don't know the piece in the first place. So sorry for all you well-informed or Mondrian fans who already probably know which piece I'm talking about. So yeah, go look at the piece when you have a moment. I don't want to tell you more because I want you to go and feel the difference, feel the impact of not knowing anything about the art and what they thought then getting insight into the work just from the name. That piece is a great example of how a work can be significantly changed by the title the artist gives it. Titles are information. They're part of the work, as much a part as is the color palette, the forms, and the composition, I think. What an artist names their work or doesn't can tell you so much about the piece and often about the artist as well. 
I do want to stop here, though, and note that I'm not saying you have to name your pieces or that informational names are the best way to go. What I want you to take from what I was just illustrating is that a name can be pretty powerful, so you should know when and how to use it to accomplish what you're after with your work. The truth is, you really don't have to name your work ever, unless required by a third party like a show or a contest or a gallery, because then you'll want to play by the rules, but only because you want to give your work a chance to be shown and seen through those venues, right? But otherwise, there is nothing in the world of art that says your pieces all have to have names. They don't. But what I think you should do is consciously decide to either name your work or not name it. And that can be on a piece-by-piece basis, or you can make your naming part of your recognized brand, if you will. You just need to take some time to figure out what is going to work best for what you're after with your work. I'm going to give you the information right now that will help you figure that out. Let's start with what choosing not to name your work can do for the piece. Not naming leaves the interpretation of your work wide open. If you really don't want to share your particular story, if you want the viewer to come up with their own interpretation and fully insert their own stories into the work, then not directing with language with a title makes sense. Now, if that's what you want, and yet you need to name it for a show or a gallery or whatnot, You can use abstract things like what I mentioned a few moments ago, like numbers or describe the basics of what the piece is like, say, red on black or pink lines. Now, if you choose to name your work, I'd urge you not to be flippant about it. As we're seeing, names have a lot of power. A name will give the piece some kind of flavor if it doesn't wholly direct the viewer's idea of the piece and what kind of story they're going to form for it. What you name the work infers what you, as the artist, probably find most important about it. Even if the name doesn't represent the most important aspect in your mind, that's likely what your viewer will think, and they'll examine the work based off that assumption. And maybe that's what you want, but if you don't, be more cautious with the title. So consider what you want the name to do for the piece. Perhaps you want to leave lots of room for the viewer to insert themselves in their story, but you don't want to leave them with nothing to work from like with not naming. In these cases, you can go for ambiguous names or titles with broad possible meanings. Single word names can accomplish this, especially adjectives that evoke sensation like lush or bitter or imagery without specifics such as emergence or torn. Or you might want to go for broad abstract concepts like fiction or larceny. But perhaps you want the viewer to step into the very story you are trying to tell, right? Even if the image is realistic and tells an obvious story, the name can direct the viewer to the core idea or can distract from the obvious or mundane and give them a glimpse of something deeper. In other words, give them a name that supports a clear story for them to step into while directing them to the part of the story that you want them to start with. Now, how do you decide when it's best to leave titles ambiguous versus being very specific about it or give them names at all? Well, those decisions will be based on whether you are focused most on showing or selling or speaking through your work and what you hope to accomplish with that focus. Names are a particularly important consideration when it comes to selling. A name can make or break a sale. Say, for instance, you use a fantastical term like fairy or magic in the names of your work at a contemporary show full of sophisticated and fashion-forward attendees. 
it might be hard for you to find the person who appreciates your photo of castle ruins titled Ghost of the Round Table or your Creatures of the Night Vampire Ceramics. Likewise, if you send a portfolio with a sculpture whose title is If There Were No Guns to a gallery in a very conservative pro-gun area, you might figuratively kill your chance to sell your work there. If selling is your primary goal, you want to choose names that speak to your buyer in intimate ways. And you can even change the names of the same pieces depending on where you're selling. So for instance, if you're at a science fiction fantasy convention, something I did a lot of back in the day, Fantastical names can make any piece magical to the audience. So a painting of a road leading to a mountain range can be the past of Ahala, or a necklace of simple blue drop-shaped beads can be the Elven Tears necklace. But at a city's annual street fair, you'll probably want to appeal to a more general audience with more common concepts and imagery. So the same mountain painting might be better titled something like the Road of Hope and Fear, and the necklace could be renamed the Spring Rain Necklace. Can you see how the name change might help the sales? The downside to naming solely based on potential customers is that you have to ignore some or all of your intention and story in the pieces. But then if your main goal is to sell and the name gives your buyer joy or adds meaning to the piece for them, both of you get what you want. So it might feel like you're literally selling out. But in this case, that's a good thing because it fulfills your goal to sell and makes another person happy. If you rally against gearing the names of your piece to the market, then you probably want to examine whether sales is or should be your primary goal or if you're in the right market at all. If you need to make the money and your work and their names aren't jiving with your present customer base, then I'd go on a search for new markets, ones that will respond to the work and the names that feel true and authentic to you. Now, if your main focus is not on selling, but on expressing yourself through art, then embrace what names can do to help you communicate what you want to say. Carefully thought out names can even add to the voice of the work. With recognizable imagery, people, scenes, objects, that kind of thing, story can often be drawn without the help of a name. But if the work is given a name that is unexpected or refers to unseen emotion or the artist's specific experiences, then those can add tremendous depth and dimension to the piece. They can also push the viewer to ask questions that are important to you, but not always thought of by the viewer, like why create the specific image or what do these things mean to the artist? Let me see if I can talk you through how that works. The title of the road and mountain painting at the street fair I was using as an example could just have easily been named for the actual mountain painted. That kind of naming is pretty conventional for landscape and would have worked just fine for a street fair, right? But with a title like Of Hope and Fear, the viewer is much more likely to stop and ask themselves questions like, where is hope and fear in the painting? To answer that for themselves, they'll look at it more thoroughly in order to find it, asking, is it in the quality of the light against the dark shadow shapes? Is it the long road versus the intimidating mountains? Suddenly, the viewer is engaged in a way they would not have been by the mountain's name alone. They spend time with the work, sussing out your meaning, growing a connection to it and to you as they compare their related experiences with what they surmise you saw that made you think of hope and fear. It can help them see the landscape the way you saw it, maybe bringing up the emotion and drama you felt that drove you to paint it. It makes your work more memorable, even to the point that the viewer may want to bring it home. 
Basically, whatever you can do to get potential customers to spend more time with your work, the more likely they are going to want to own it. Of course, you can toss everything I just told you and completely leave your viewer and audience out of the mix and create names that just make you happy, that best represent your intention or the story in or behind the piece. Name your work or not to just say what you want it to say and let the chips fall where they may. Honestly, (laughs) that's my usual approach these days, but then I'm primarily creating collections for myself and for books whose concepts I haven't quite fully formed enough to know who my audience is yet or what exactly I want to say to them. The names of my photographs, for instance, right now are chosen to help tell the story I found with the camera. It's part of what I want to communicate because communication is my focus right now. But in the past, as a working artist whose sales paid the bills, I absolutely named my work based on who I was trying to sell to. The names still told stories I wanted to tell, but I would shift the story to a different type of world or genre, whatever best suited my potential buyers. I remember selling these earrings I called Celestial Windows at a show heavy on the metaphysical stuff, but then I turned around and sold the same design at a fantasy convention as something like Night Fae earrings. (laughs) It sounds a little hokey now, but it worked. It helped the pieces speak to the buyers in a language that meant something special to them, and I couldn't deny the results. I usually sold really well when I did this. If I got lazy and didn't change up the names on the sales tags, I saw the difference. So I stopped being lazy when I realized the naming really contributed to my sales. Now, there's one area I don't worry about naming much, and that's on social media. Imagery is really king there, and people don't seem to read text so much, especially on Instagram and Pinterest and the like. But I do provide background on the piece still. So really the title's job is replaced by actual conversation there, at least for me. If someone likes the work well enough to read what I wrote, then why not get them to spend a bit more time with me by reading my thoughts? I have the room to do it, right? But if social media is a major source of sales for you, I'd keep up with the naming, maybe even put it in text on the images along with leaving some of your thoughts. Because the name of your work really does become part of the piece, no matter where it's shown or shared, that name is just going to add to the interest and understanding of the work and you, if chosen with intention and care. So I hope this little conversation has given you some food for thought on naming your work. Let me know if there's some consideration for naming I didn't mention, or if you have a cool story about success or lack of success because of how you named your work or didn't name it. I'd love to hear it. And I'll work those comments into future podcasts with a shout out to you and your artwork along with it if time permits. Because, you know, we are all in the same type of boat and it really helps to share and hear the experiences of others traveling those same paths. You can send your naming related thoughts as well as any comments, criticism or questions to me by reaching out on the website at thesagearts.com. Go to the contact page there, use the email form, or even leave a voice message using the red button you'll find there. As mentioned at the beginning, if you're enjoying the episodes and find value for yourself and your art and what I'm doing here, consider giving back through my Buy Me a Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the Sage Arts, or go to the sagearts.com website where halfway down the homepage, there's the Buy Me a Coffee and PayPal donation buttons. Well, that's it for today. 
I have to say I've had one busy week lining up all kinds of guests and content, and there's just so many amazing things coming up in the next month or two. So stay tuned. Be sure you've hit the follow button for the show on your podcast player if you haven't already. And if so inclined, tell people about what you're discovering here so they can come join us and boost their creative endeavors as well. In the meantime, as always, I encourage you to keep your muse well-fed with story and fun new experiences. Stay true to yourself and your weirdness. And we'll see you next time on the Sage Arts Podcast.